Welcome back to week two of House of the Dragon. Hannah, cheers. Cheers, everybody. The Rogue Prince, part two. Second time that I've watched it. I liked it a lot better. I was about to say, I can't wait to hear what you have to say because we were a little bit of haters during the first watch of the episode. Would you describe the overall takeaway then as you were a hater of that on the rogue prince on your first watch for sure i stand by what i said after immediately after watching which is the intro caught me so off guard that it really changed my perspective of the entire episode i think i think it just put me in a in a spot and so i knew it was coming this time we had the week to talk about it and think about it and I was able to kind of step back and enjoy the episode a little bit more because I was surprised that we were kind of alone in our, we didn't hate the episode. We just were a little bit more critical of it on Sunday after we watched it, but I definitely enjoyed it more this time around and felt like maybe looking back. <laughs> the energy was so the high. Energy was like, You're like, I did not remember 70% of this going into the podcast episode right after it was over. The things that I remember, so I will say this the biggest thing that I thought about during this rewatch of the episode is how the episode was filled with the things that we want and the stuff we've been looking for, which yeah. is these long, drawn out conversations. These slow, patient moments between characters. And we actually got that in the episode. And so, good actors and good, doing it. And great acting. And it looking really good. And it's sounding really good. Mm-hmm. Even when you're messing around with a little piece of food that you have. about, I better hear the... Totally. The when, bugs chirping in the yeah. background. Did you hear how the magnets transitioned out of the food sounds? Yes, it was That amazing. was nice. Yeah. So why were we hating on it before? I mean, I think that it's too much pressure. It's pressure to come off episode one. I think that we were just looking for the same height, and instead, episode two they pumped the brakes a little bit, slowed it down, and really narrowed in their focus on this one. We're not going to have attorney in every episode, even if we're skipping six months, maybe more at a time. (laughs) There's going to be a bigger jump than that, but yeah. Even if there's a really big jump, it doesn't mean the next episode is going to have a tourney. The next episode is going to have a war. So, (laughs) (laughs) did you, what did you think about it? I my own hat on that one. Um, I think that for the most part, the sort of lower energy feeling about it compared to the first one is mostly because you are comparing it to something that did establish everything, did have the momentum of the confidence of the wishful. Hopefully I'm bolstering your love by seeing how much work we put into this effort of the first episode. So there's that. And there's also the fact that it ends on a conversation where it's kind of like, all right, we're going to do something Mm -hmm. instead of just doing something. Right. But for example, just paying more attention to Damon's sort of subtle feelings arc. It's like getting a closer look at something that from afar, if you're a small folk, you're like, this is some character. He's the prince of the city. Look at him fighting in tournaments. He's probably just like his armor looks. But in fact, he's not. He's having a a difficult time on his own just being a person. And he's Mm -hmm. really weird on top of that. Mm -hmm. And he's a Targaryen. And he's in this position. And uh, he doesn't want to be mean to the wrong people. And it's not because he's scared. It's because he's like, it's not nice to be mean to Rhaenyra. I'm not going to take Dragonstone if it's really hers. He's like, you're not of age yet. And uh, that kind of stuff poked out a little bit more when it had a little bit less of the momentum and the pressure of seeing it for the first time. And that final conversation hits a little bit harder as an ending note whenever you're not looking at it impatiently, Mm -hmm. which... Maybe you need to just trick me before my brain can even go there. But I don't know. That could be a product of a lot of different things. But it 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 did what it was supposed to do, I mm-hmm. think, more so in the second watch for me. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated a lot of the uh, textural updates versus Game of Thrones. Things like adding even more dimensionality with the sounds of nature and outdoor scenes or how the music seems to have slipped into a couple more instruments, like a weirdly diffused guitar and some 
like a mist around weird wobbly uh sinister squeaky sounds and uh the approach to something like the crab feeder sequence around the end of the episode was kind of like a, a little finger doing a voiceover love a good voiceover montage it is a oh, sucker for it yes it's very stylistic to inject in the episode and the music mm-hmm. kind of matched that and it like i said did some different stuff than they normally have and so i think that at this point two episodes and what you would hopefully expect from something that's following up got hopefully it it can add stuff that you weren't really anticipating because that's part of why Game of Thrones as a television show was so successful. Right. Because it had the cool story, the cool environment. It was written well, but it was in a cool aesthetic that we were like, hmm, didn't quite get enough of that from Lord of the Rings. I wish there was an HBO television show that did Swords and Shields. And then they got people like Miguel who were able to add a different layer to it on the filmmaking side and i think that they're I'm, I'm seeing it and i'm really excited about seeing how they're able to continue to up that ante and continue to integrate it over this entire season what are we gonna say about miguel not rest in peace for real but he's leaving the series which Man. is such a loss on our part and so we gotta soak it up while we can should we tell everybody i know that we both know what happened but you maybe want to tell folks what happened with uh, one of our co-showrunners, Miguel Sapochnik. Well, RIP. He's not actually RIP'd. <laughs> he's just not going to be a showrunner on, on Game of Thrones two. anymore. Or sorry, on Hot D anymore. Sure. Did they specify that he's not coming back at all to maybe do a couple episodes? I think that he's just not heading things up to work on other projects. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him pop in. Every once in a while, right? I don't see why he wouldn't. If he doesn't want to spend as much time working on Game of Thrones as he has been since he sort of brought it upon himself by doing such a good job with On the Winds of Winter. They're like, we gotta have you. (laughs) That's what happens when you do a good job. You have a responsibility. Even COVID wasn't enough of a break, apparently. But I guess they they weren't filming, but they were working on it. I I don't know anything about what really went into this for those guys. Who knows? I've seen a lot of speculation on the internet, that kind of stuff I'm trying to avoid. And uh, all we know that is he, he's not going to be the showrunner anymore. So it could be anything. He could come back and direct an episode or not. It's funny because last week's season two renewal was such a big announcement. But you know they knew this at that time as well. Like, let's give it a week of breathing room before yeah. <laughs> he announced the departure of Miguel. Do you think but, that all of that news was planned other than the numbers, of course? I'm sure. I'm sure. Because it seems like I would, there's, it would shock me if he left out of the blue abruptly mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, it, it was more than likely a very planned out thing. So we're going to miss you, Miguel. For sure. We can mourn that in season two. I so it was such a, a cool bit of time. arc, such a cool trajectory for someone to become a, like from slum to all the way the alum. One. Literally. I know. Good for him. Yeah. But he's probably trying to run away from maybe a terrible second season. He's like, I was the showrunner of the a co-showrunner when it came back and it was really good. And then it became like, it does like a West world. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I got away so I can have work. <laughs> I want to continue to work. I don't want to be like D&D. No. I want the Star Wars right. to happen. We can't put that kind of energy onto the season. No. Epi- the, it's Please been so no. good so far, especially with our uh, change of heart a little bit. Not not change of heart, but I think seeing it with a, a fresh perspective changes the way we're viewing this, epi- this episode. I, I was never mad at it before, but I definitely had a, just a lot more fun this time. And I'm, kind of what you were saying when we first started, I, I get what the vibe was supposed to mm-hmm. be. More specifically, had what we were, what we want, what we're looking for, and especially when we have those uh, really slow and pa- I mean slow and patient long takes uh, of the gardens outside of King's Landing a so couple beautiful. times. There were some shots in particular. There's Ooh. one where Viserys is talking to Corlys and Rainey's when they're proposing marriage to join their houses. And you're looking at them having a conversation through the bushes. Yeah. That shot really did it for me. Mm-hmm. So, but they were talking a lot in the after the episode about the decisions that they made to make that marriage proposal or the idea of marriage the central focus in the episode. 
And it's because that is the domino effect for the duration of the whole season. And so something that frustrated me watching it on Sunday was, A, why are we spending so long on this decision, but nothing's happening? It's just Viserys pacing around, not sure what he wants to do. And B, drawing a line so hard in the sand between the two sides. But taking a step back, I still agree with both of those things. But in order to... Well, let me back up a little bit. There's a lot of people watching the show who've never read Fire and Blood. I would probably guess the majority of people have never read Fire and Blood. And so we need to really emphasize this marriage decision and why it was important. And we need to really emphasize and solidify the division between the parties that come from it. And so instead of telling us, they gave us a lot of these quiet backroom conversations, which is exactly what we were saying we needed. But I think the reminder of, hey, this is the central focus of, aside from potentially like the Rainier Rainey's convo, this is the central focus of the whole thing. So let's spend an episode and make it really important and stand out. Mm-hmm. So we're just getting our druthers, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there was a couple seasons at the end of Game of Thrones there where it kind of pivoted into there being a different kind of show on TV. Mm-hmm. So th- that's actually a really fun sign. I hope it, I hope it stays that way with a good mixture of maybe some uh, some whispering woods level action sequences with stakes being that high uh, mixed in with that early stage feeling. So we asked a couple questions this week on on Twitter and on our Instagram to kind of guide our discussion today. And the first was about this because it was the central focus of the episode. It says, King Viserys selected his new bride. How will this change the trajectory of his reign? And I love the answer from Nicole. It just says, I'm sure it will be fine. (laughs) It made me laugh out loud. Yeah, it'll be fine. Nothing bad's going to happen. Right. Just marrying your daughter's best, best friend, friend, who's your right hand man at work's daughter, and they both stand in room together. The, the, the when Otto comes in when he's having a private meal with Alice, right? Good God, that was really awkward there. But Jeez. did you notice Allison looking directly at Rhaenyra when Viserys announces their marriage? Oh, before of course. he even yeah, does. Before. Yeah. That's something I hadn't. Yeah, she mentioned before, but she's looking. And something I found so interesting this watch round and the time before was the both Allison both being directed by her father to do this whole thing. Because you get a couple moments where Otto is like, You're going to go see the king tonight? Even when they go, he walks in on them at at their meal, he's still kind of like, Yeah, you know. Of course, no one's saying, Hey, my kid, good to see you. I haven't seen you since this afternoon. What are you doing here eating with right. the king? I'm but, the hand of the king. He's the king. Why so are you sitting here eating with my eating daughter? With yeah, exactly. In a very intimate couch. I was like, they're already eat. They're eating together. Like this is something that's that's up. But the second thing is that it's not just Allison listening to her dad because we see so many opportunities for her to talk to Rainera about what's going on when they're praying. Yeah, and she's kind of doing yeah. Viserys's dirty work and saying, "You should go talk to your dad." Yeah. Or when they're there and, and Viserys is about to announce the marriage, Alicent looks directly at Rhaenyra. And so very clearly, Alicent is not innocent. She seems like she's struggling, but she seemed pretty happy about I think the way she's she's dealing, dealing right. with Rhaenyra. Like what she's doing to Rhaenyra, she seems pretty happy about it. I think it. that they're, the struggle is just the pressure from starting to gain responsibility and mm. power. Maybe what she's struggling with, but she she seems to be a interested party in furthering along her house, like securing where her house is, because she's playing along so nicely, and she's keeping stuff from her bestie when she has every opportunity to kind of go, hey, this is what's going on. Especially when Rainera is talking about how, or was it Allison? But they were both talking about how they were daughters and how that's kind of their role as daughters is to let the men play at ruling. 
So I'm really looking forward to Baby Egan coming on the scene hot in episode three because I think tensions are going to rise. This show is wild where we just saw the meltdown of that moment. and But all we've seen is Rhaenyra walk out when she finds out what they've been doing. Two of her closest people mm-hmm. not saying how close that they are. She walks out. That's the last thing we see of them. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we see is a baby. Their baby. And gosh, it really looks like that feeling you get from fire and blood of one generation of Targaryens feeling like they're the focus at this moment. And then you move on to the next one and eventually they die or they're too old, like they're not in charge for some reason. And then you have a new set that you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. And it seems like when you look at history of the Targaryens, the fact that they've done all these things like need to get married off or need to go fight in wars or need to become a part of the faith or need to become a part of the Citadel. It seems like over time, I don't know, it diffuses the impact enough where maybe you don't really think about what each individual Targaryen was dealing with at the time whenever they had something like that forced on them. So in this next episode, it seems like we're going to get away from the personal aspect of they're growing up and they have the potential of life that's ahead of them. It, it seems like it kind of got squashed mm-hmm. right when Alicent decided to... Uh, seduce the king? Well, not only seduce, but no, <laughs> when the king decided, when, when Alicent was there, I meant when she was at the, when she decided to go to the small council yeah, meeting yeah. for whatever reason, yeah. wearing the same clothes as she was before. Right. Some reason she's there. I know her dad's the... Uh, Hand of the king, but why are you there? And the king made the announcement. Obviously, that's why she was there. Until then, there was like, what's it going to be like? And then after that, it's like, this is just like every other Targaryen reign that, or any any other dictatorship, any other royal family before that needed to be a part of a, 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 a global royal conglomerate where you have to marry people sometimes that you don't want to not only are we going to get the baby from this awkward situation but it looks like our girl is going to be pressured into marrying someone Mm -hmm. and it's like god i mean yeah it would happen he's the or she's the king's daughter right you know it's like marriages need to happen but it's like especially after all that where her friend gets to marry the king. Now now Rhaenyra has to do what her dad should have done, which is unite the houses yeah. together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it feels it's so much more personal than um, I, th- I think that some of these fantasy books uh, make these kinds of situations. It feels mm-hmm. really personal right now. I think a lot of it has to do with how good the actress is, Millie Alcock. A, a for, million percent For that agree. character, you know? A million percent agree. Maybe it's just the, a really nice, subtle situation that George has crafted, and it seems a little bit less subtle when you're dealing with the full uh, scale and the speed in which you get through Fire and Blood, but the fact that I'm going to see her get mad, really get mad about um, someone trying to force her to marry someone, I think is just going to add a lot of dimension in my mind with the way that I interact with these uh, sort of uh, uh, levels, these, uh, what's it called, like, different generations, mm-hmm. like groupings of Targaryens mm-hmm. that are alive at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, and also we get to bolster up her anger that we see explode a little bit in the trailer for the next episode is how often she's passed over and dismissed in this episode by her dad, by the small council. She's the heir. She's the one. And she tries to speak her mind up in the small council and they all hush her out of the room. She tries to bring it up again with her dad at dinner and he cuts her off. He She gets a little bit of credit when she comes back from Dragonstone. Her dad can't help but kind of chuckle to himself yeah, and sees what she's done. Yeah. I thought that was a really sweet moment between the two of them. But I think that her being dismissed as often as she was in this episode, her conversation with Rainey's, which... There's no way she walked away from that, not keeping, not with without those words kind of echoing through her brain. And then Allison being the nail in the coffin. 
leading to this, hey, you're going to have to marry somebody who, A, doesn't even like you or even swings your way at all to cover up my tracks because I made this political blunder because I was trying to follow follow my heart, I guess. A.K.A. what my hand and Maester Melos were insinuating dastardly mm-hmm. in the background. But I think that regardless of anybody pushing him in any direction... The comeliest girl at court. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who would say no to that? Just don't watch her TikTok. Otherwise... Just don't watch her TikTok. If you watch her TikTok, you'll be like, next, let's the marry the 12-year-old. The teens are loving the TikTok. <laughs> the teens are loving her TikTok, though, which is just unsettling to me. But we see, I mean, there's a couple of really sweet moments between Viserys and Allison in this in this episode with the broken dragon, with them sharing meals together. There obviously there's a lot of familiarity between them. Yeah. And so Are you telling Rhaenyra about our hangout? Right. Would you? Would you? If I was Allison? Yeah. This is the king. I probably would. Yeah. Just because Rhaenyra is going to live longer. Yeah, and if you <laughs> were hanging have with a, your best a better lifelong mom friend or whatever. I mean, don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Allison, yeah. but if it was me. <laughs> and you were in the situation, the day was nah, a turn. <laughs> no, nah, that's harmless. That's harmless. This this is whack, though. This is, this is I'm going to marry your dad. And it's not just I'm a random marry your dad whenever there's holidays or... Some kind of bar backyard situation, barbecue situation. Whenever <laughs> you come over to see either of us, the other one's there, uh-huh. and obviously, what goes on behind closed doors. We're about to have some kids come onto the mix. That's We're gonna have a son. That's the thing, and yeah, and that it's gonna take my. Not only are they gonna have kids together, but this is the person that's also going to take my. Uh, power away from being the leader of the kingdom and getting all that sweet, sweet cash. I was thinking about because Allison is so confident in the fact that Viserys chose Rhaenyra as heir. When they're praying together, she just was reassuring her over and over again of your dad picked you. Your dad picked you. Which was also a very telling thing as soon as the opportunity arises for Allison. Well, okay. I think... So much of their divide is going to be Otto's doing down the road. I think that he's going to continue to drive a wedge between them because and and Allison. Allison, Because I think that Otto is really going to be pushing Allison to to act different, act different, and to get her own and to get her some because Hmm. she has a son now, right? And so I think that you know at this point Allison's like Renair, you're the one, you're the girl. She doesn't have the kid yet. But she knows at that point that she's with Viserys. They're deep into their hangs. And so she's got an allegiance there. And so it made me wonder if maybe Otto is just going to be, continue to be that wedge that we see between them. Allison said something along the line when they were eating together. And he was telling her about the fact that he needed to have a uh, conversation about the fact that he needs some, someone, they want him to marry off. Right, <laughs> they want him to get married to somebody so they can have kids, and he was like, "They want me to get married to somebody," and she was like, "Well, hmm. if they feel the way that I feel about you, it'll be great." <laughs> <laughs> it's such a beautiful. That's such a great moment because like, it's so what, real. Yep. Hey, they want me to get married. I wonder if maybe you would. How would you feel me? about it? Well, if someone that was going to get married would ask someone like me, then maybe they would get their answer. They would love hanging. What did she say something about enjoy your company as much as I have? That's and then what, she gives yeah. him a gift. Yeah. That's the question I, uh, I thought. People were comparing this episode to an episode of The Bachelor, which is one of my favorite hot topics to think about. And so... As Viserys is looking out the window over King's Landing and he's getting this gift during dinner and he's just kind of going on lots of different kinds of walks and made me laugh because it really did feel like an episode of The Bachelor in such a good and human way. Viserys is really racked with this idea, but he makes the wrong choice. I mean, seemingly makes the wrong choice. I liked when he was talking to small council member Strong and hanging over the back of the chair. He just seemed uh, really lived in this Viserys. I need to look up more of the work of this of 
of this Patty Considine. Constantine. Because uh, I bet it wasn't like the king of uh, a bunch of dragon lords right. before this. <laughs> and it seems like he's brought like a really interesting dimension into GOT universe land. The thing so, that, he's so comfy. He's so comfortable. It's nothing like the vibe and the aesthetic of the intro. And, you no. know, all these Targaryens, no. one Targaryen to the next, connected uh-huh. by blood well, yeah. and fire and the iconography uh, symbolizing sometimes how they were v- violently murdered. And uh, he's just this guy who's just like hanging on a chair going, who should I get married to? Oh, wow. His body is falling apart completely and being eaten by maggots. And he just... The spirit's so high about it. He Viserys is such an interesting guy because he he, or i think patty constantine what he brings to the character is he is both a good and pretty reasonable ruler but he's also just real comfy and Mm -hmm. corliss says let him hang at tourneys and throw parties while we do the real work of men yeah because somebody needs to do it and corliss is obviously biased in this situation because he is in need of Help. Help for yeah. his own situation. But he's the one that's gonna have to deal with it if it if the uh stepstones fall apart like that. Mm-hmm. He'll be the he's like the first line, the first the first house, also the richest right now in the realm. So it would also make no sense for any other smaller seats of power from even nearby. Definitely not Dorne, but like smaller fishing villages to take care of themselves. No, it's on him. It's on him and yeah, he definitely needs help. I was thinking about Aenys. Is that his name? The the Targaryen king that everybody thought was so weak. I call him Anus. Yeah, because yeah. he's the one who came before. Magor took the crown from him. Yeah, and then he died. And then he died because he... Wait, is that true? And then Jaehaerys came after Magor? Yeah, I think he might have died before Magor took the crown. But either way... It all, it, it's all blended up in a blender in my brain right now. Same here, but either way, he was kind of seen as the weak Targaryen yeah, king. Yeah, for sure. But I like that. He passed away from really being very sad. Right. A yeah. broken heart, basically. Mm-hmm. You're like, this guy. But I feel like Viserys toes the line between having some of that. He reminds me a little bit of this, like, Aenys energy, where he hmm. just is kind of comfortable and... But he yells when he yells. It seems like he's the mad king. Yeah, right. So he's got a lot of. There's a lot. I, I just I like that we get a little bit of everything in him because yeah. he the depth that he brings to the character. Little Nettie. It's good. Got a bit of net in him. Yeah, <laughs> it's good because you can see why Corliss would make that argument against him. You can see why somebody like Damon feels like he can. Push it a little push bit. Push buttons. But he also, and, you can see why Damon would like him. To- completely. Yeah. You can see why he'd like him and respect yeah. him. Yeah. And you can see why some of these other cities are potentially moving against him without making yeah. any sort of direct yeah. attack on him. it's like, yeah. we don't dislike you. We don't think you're, you ain't shit, but we think you won't do shit. It's a fine line. I think he plays it really well. So it's right another Patty Constantine shout out because he plays it right on the edge. A lot of these guys do. And I think that like you've been saying, and the story's on the edge, slowing down and allowing ourselves to just enjoy the space. I also really, really liked the conversation between, wait, I wrote it down together that I was like loving this convo and I can't remember which one other than the um, Viserys Lana one, which once again hit, 10 out of 10. That oh, I think so it was that one. Second watch so too. the second watch, so the first watch, I wasn't really looking at their faces that much because I was taking too many notes, unfortunately, yeah. because I feel like I need to take, be like taking all these notes. And then I missed so many of their facial expressions, but both of their faces during that conversation was 10 out of 10 hilarious because Viserys was annoyed. Viserys is his first one. His whole <laughs> face was like, towards yeah, him. he's like, Almost like he was like cringing we'll, at the we'll whole thing. We'll tweet it with this episode uh, on Twitter. This will be the episode picture. It's just the, the perfect, the first time it cuts to him and he reacts to it. He's like, mm. but you can try to be nice too. It's just like, it can't not come out because it's just such a ridiculous scenario for both of them. For both of them, exactly. Yeah. It's not just on his part. And so 
I don't remember what we were talking. Why I thought that was a worthy thing to bring up next in the convo. So much their faces. You yeah, could, just there's a lot of subtlety, now. and I enjoyed that aspect of the episode. So maybe being able to dial in on that instead of trying to soak up taking notes made me feel like <laughs> these combos hit a little harder second time around. I thought that uh, Rainey's was magnificent. She was so good in this episode, especially her last line. Extremely good. The way that her face looked, I was like, "Wow, you you're you should play the ghost of High Heart or Raina or something." Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. you're just like you're nailing that that particular vibe of Targaryen that has a likability and strength and a little bit of mysticism at the same time. And uh, I really liked Sir Crispin. And I really liked <laughs> the way that Damon taught, or he like shoves oh, yeah. the, egg. the egg. I was laughing so hard at that. I understand he, why he was practicing the football. <laughs> yeah, I the, loved that. The egg like a football now on set because that's he's, what that was like. A, it was almost like a hike the way it spun when he threw it. Well, there's clips of him on set tossing it around mm-hmm. that I hadn't seen until this week. But when he shoves the egg towards Rhaenyra, his arm is so perfectly straight. It's so theatrical. I really like it. I really <laughs> like it. He's so good in that scene between the two of them in Dragonstone hit so hard again and again. Yeah. I mean, just the subtlety between them and his acting and everything that happened with Missaria, which, so I thought this was kind of interesting, but Missaria is not pregnant. Yeah. Which I think is kind of interesting because if I recall correctly, Missaria in the book, I mean, she gets dismissed and then she loses the baby. Yeah, she gets sent away when she's pregnant. And that's part of the reason, that's part of Damon's whole, like another strike that Damon has against Otto. And another strike against him that he carries on being Damon. Apparently the stuff that he cares about is just thrown away so much. And he doesn't even care. That's that book texture of that, seeing that kind of energy on the characters that we now kind of like know on Mm -hmm. on a personal level is going to be crazy. Like Renee, you have to marry someone and you've never met him before. And he's 80 years old. Enjoy having his kids. Mm -hmm. Like whenever that starts happening in hot D, whether it's with these guys or after the dance with new characters, Jesus Christ. I know it's pretty, it's pretty great, but I felt like that storyline change. I I would take the joke. It was funny. The joke of, you told them I was pregnant and that I was having a baby over the, any potential texture, like you would say, added to Damon and Otto's relationship because yeah. it's pretty freaking clear how they feel about each other. Yeah. They don't need any additional egging on. The Masari thing was probably the weakest for me. She seems kind of shape 2.0 almost. And I feel like she, if she had said some less lines, then that scene would have felt better. But it was all so beautiful and beautifully set up while she was doing it that I was like, all right, maybe this is going to just fly. But it didn't seem, I don't know. I, I, I'm i curious how they're going to use it rather than her just being there to fill space and to, to look like a certain kind of person and to be a certain kind of person today. And I hope that they have a really good use for Masaria. Other than just to show who he is bounced off of someone. In private, which would be hard to get without him just talking to a fire or something. Yeah, because I don't think they particularly, he doesn't necessarily reveal anything about himself in her presence that we've seen on not, screen. Not yet. Just, not yet. Just we get to see him and that does reveal a lot about himself. But she's going to play a, a bigger role down the, she'll play a bigger role down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Which if maybe this is maybe just. Maybe not though. But maybe not. She'll maybe, die next episode. Maybe, but maybe this, those little snippets is just an opportunity for us to kind of get to know her a little bit. Yeah, but it didn't, I, hit, I wanna, it didn't hit for you. Yeah, I want to get to know her. I don't need to know just like I've seen so many worse things than you. It's like, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, you, why would you say that to him? Right. <laughs> he knows right. that. Why would you right. say that out loud right now? Right. We, we don't really need the setup. Just like show us how strong someone is. Don't go. He pulls out, you hear his two swords get on the and they go, that's Arthur Dane, the sword of the morning. <laughs> He's the greatest fighter in the world. <laughs> I think he can. So let's just stay away from that. I think it's going to be fine, though. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's already been made, so I'm just hoping we stay away from that, is what I'm saying. <laughs> that kind of thing. What else did you like? Well, I, we I loved on? whenever we were going to Dragonstone. I loved, I loved the way that it looked. Yes. yes. Going through the mist. And, uh, 
those establishing shots of uh, these famous places in Westerosi lore. They continue some to of hit. the most exciting stuff to see back in the day when GOT was first on the screen because mm-hmm. it was like we haven't seen the twins yet, right? But right. we know we're about to go there. What's it gonna look like? What's Moat Kaelin gonna look like? Right. <laughs> That's one of the crazy ones where it's like, as a book fan, when you know Game of Thrones is, is gets adapted to HBO, you're like, if you were reading the books at one point, you come across Moat Kaelin and you're like, maybe you think about this, maybe you don't. One day they're gonna have to put Moat Kaelin on screen. <laughs> 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 it's gonna have to say Moat Kaelin because mm-hmm. some pretty important stuff happens there. And believe it or not, we got we went to Moat Kaelin out of all places. <laughs> so that's gonna happen in Hot D before you know it. I feel like one of the main strengths that we've seen so far is the set pieces, though, or those establishing shots of. Are of you talking places. about the little figurines? No, the set pieces. <laughs> no, I mean the <laughs> the sets where they're filming. Yeah, or, I agree. You know, I think that that's been a a huge plus in what we've seen so far in both episodes. I love love the gardens. They really stuck out to me this episode. Kind of like they beautiful. It's like an early GOT. The gardens were only done a handful of times and then brought back later, but specifically like Sansa and Loras. But I mean, we've spent a lot of time there. But the ones you really think about are these early ones with Mm -hmm. Sansa or with uh, Cersei and Ned, for example, Littlefinger. They they were so good that they made an impact. And we're Sansa the, and the Tyrells. These might, these might do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but they, they were kind of in like, uh, um, at one point that was like when it, it started to get actually fancy. Whenever they started to show different parts of King's Landing that weren't just like bushes, mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. you could just like practical stuff <laughs> that you could shoot up close, and they yeah. started putting a lot of CGI. Yeah. Like that was just the King walking around the garden, and I don't know Corliss and Rainies together strike a pretty uh, intimidating duo. But Viserys is so disarming in the way that his personality is so soft that I think that the scale of who these people are and the importance of them talking like this and making these kinds of deals really uh, like don't sink in as much as they should. And it's just like, like I said, we get to know these characters like friends and then they have to do this crazy stuff. Like none of them have been killed yet, mm-hmm. Ama, and the stakes Ama, are still Ama pretty was low. Pretty, was pretty messed up, but she was pregnant, right? So it was like not an accident that they did it on purpose, which I guess doesn't really make my point any better. It was a lot worse. Like it, it was a lot worse, but we haven't seen like Damon get hurt. Like he didn't get hurt in the tournament. Everyone still feels kind of safe, but you're going to be forcing them to do some pretty wild stuff that it seems like that feeling's not there in the show yet. And that's kind of how early Game of Thrones felt. Mm-hmm. When Micah got killed, you're like, wow, Butcher Boy. Hmm. The we didn't really know haven't that much. quite been established, yeah. yeah. I think that we feel a little bit more on edge because we know Spoilers. this is Game of Thrones. No, yeah. but just in general, this is mm-hmm. GOT. Mm-hmm. So we know that things are going to get dirty somewhere down the road. But like all of those sweet summer nights, we've never seen battle except for Kristen Cole. Christine. Sir Crispin. They're untested and un- untried. A little bit. A little bit. Corliss and Rainey's are not untested or untried. And that's why they have yeah. such a powerful and intimidating, I think that was a good word, air about yeah. them. Yeah. And they really want this to happen. And someone that's as personally smart as Rainey's being okay with marrying off her 12-year-old daughter and the way that she looked at Rhaenyra and said, I, it's clear that you don't know the way of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it that impresses the scale of, of who they are on more than anything has so far. More than all the help, more than all of the awesome views and expensive stuff. I mean, it's hard to get that many maggots perfectly in a bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, where do you get such clean, pretty maggots? He's like, these are the best maggots in the realm, and we're going to use them to chew off the, the, the king's finger. Mm-hmm. Like it's that none of that stuff does shows how important they are better than someone that is such a Yas character, like Rainey's doing such a messed up thing. It's like, that's so naked. It's like, yeah, we're at the top level. You're going to marry people you don't like. You're going to marry your 12 year old girl off to your cousin. But she doesn't you know like what's going to happen in two years. She doesn't like it either. No, but she's doing it. And she was trying to convince the king to do it. Because of reasons, yeah. and those reasons are because they're so important. Mm-hmm. There's so much at stake. 
So the yeah. order of things. Yeah, the order of things she's matters so much at so this many, level, baby. Yeah, she's trying to fail in so many other ways. And we get sweet Rhaenyra, which I think I mentioned this at the end of the last episode when she said, when I'm queen, I'm going to make a new order, which, you know, they saw that a lot in the trailer. Yeah. I was like, okay, Daenerys 2.0, insanely right then and there. Mm-hmm. But Rainey's that conversation was really powerful. I've been looking forward to that conversation for a mm-hmm. while because we'd seen it. But she gets everything right. She has that perspective that mm-hmm. because we're seeing so much of this through the eyes of Rainera and Allison, at least from my perspective, we don't have that wisdom that somebody like Rainey's who's been in the trenches has. And even somebody like Viserys hasn't quite been in the trenches in the way that Rainey's has all that experience. And just, you know, less life less getting mad because he struggles less than as much of an aware, self-aware Targaryen as Rhaenys has been, but certainly Corlys, as he kind of had to tell himself in this episode because no one else would do it. I Listen, I want to I want to stress upon everyone. I didn't just come into this fancy seahorse sigil. It was made fancy. At mm-hmm. first, people thought the seahorses weren't nothing, mm-hmm. and then I literally had to build it up, and now the seahorses are glittered out. We make glittery seahorses and no one says anything. No one's sarcastic about it. Everyone's like, that makes sense. Seahorses rule. We're men who cut their own way through the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, so your brother's a king. (laughs) Right. That was so. We're cut from the same cloth. Damon is so funny. He's good in this. hilarious. And so many subtle funny moments. I did not catch that at all the first rewatch. Yeah. And Corliss didn't even laugh. He just keeps going. But Damon's like, so you're. Brothers of King too. And we only have two episodes, but that's the that's the style. Yeah, that's the style that we like. We liked seeing that from the original show, and it's like, wait a second, how I just didn't know that they were doing that with Matt Smith. I agree, and we talked so much about this in after our episode one because they really have towed the line between cheesiness and perfection in in many instances, and I feel like. Matt Smith is just the, the pinnacle of towing the line between <laughs> something being really serious and something being really cliche. And he just plays it off so well in all these little moments with these characters. He's, yeah, we have, sorry, go on. Well, he's so, so you talked about Viserys almost being like disarmingly nice yeah. or disarmingly chill. Yeah. And Damon is disarmingly weird and funny. Even in these very intense moments that yeah. he has, the way he throws the egg at Rhaenyra to give it back to her. It's like how he gets through all these messed up. It's like how he was left alone for six months on Dragonstone in the first place. Because they're like, he's it's Damon. Mm-hmm. Like, he is... They're like, some people say at sometimes he'll be... He's the next Magor. He'll mm-hmm. be worse than Magor. But Please. also, they're like, you know, it's just Damon. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll just be there. It'll be fine. They're At this point, they're just like really strict about stuff like, oh, you're married to someone that lives in Runestone. He's like, come on. <laughs> but like, they're being so serious. Uh-huh. And he's like, guys, look, I'm not that serious about it. Can we all not be that serious about it? But it is the law, I guess. And and. Just like it's important to marry Rainier off at some point, he had to get married to someone for some political reason. But still, just let him keep Dragonstone mm-hmm. with a retinue of gold cloaks. It'll be fine for a while. He seems like he's got issues, and I haven't really seen enough of him to unpack it yet. But what they're hinting at with Damon's a lot more subtle of an approach than I expected, and kind of like how the sound is in those gardens, uh, adding so much more dimension to the the way that nature feels in those you know two D images that we see makes us feel more immersed i think damon having this really awkwardness really really serious awkwardness about him while he's also trying to be a powerful figure and Mm -hmm. he is he rides a really cool dragon um adds so much dimension i don't need him to be awkward Mm -hmm. it's even less heroic and it's way less cool people talking about how attractive they are to him that's i mean that's not really textbook attractive but it's still attractive because all the other shit is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, he's riding Caraxes, for God's sake. He's sakes. got great long hair, too. He's got real great long hair with a half pony. And he likes Rhaenyra, and that makes us like him. Right. And he throws the egg back to her. He's like, yeah, okay. Well, there's so many. I mean, there's a lot of likable things about him. Also, just the way that he talks about his family in general. But I'm really yeah, looking. Yeah, loyalty's cool. We like loyalty. Yeah, we like loyalty. Yeah. 
I'm really looking forward to him. We saw a glimpse of him in armor at the Stepstones for next week's episode. Dude, or I for Sunday's crab, episode. The Craig's Crab Feeder, who was like a sentence or two, <laughs> is such a big, I know. Such a big character. It was such deep. a big, big point of like, discussion this t- week, too. That's what I'm saying. People like tweeting pictures of him. and okay. It makes total sense. It's just, wow, this is what it feels like to be in it. It's fun. Did anybody see on our Instagram? I posted a picture of... What's his name? Bootstrap, Bootstrap Bill. Bill. Bootstrap Biz. <laughs> okay. Every time I see Crab Feeder, all I can think about is Bootstrap Bill from Pirates of the Caribbean. You know <laughs> so my name. I posted a picture of him on our Instagram. I was like, I love this picture of Crab Feeder. <laughs> Some of you did get it. Thank you. Did someone... I, a bunch of people responded with an LOL emojis, which um, I appreciate everybody getting my joke. But that's all I can think about when you see Crab Feeder is it looks exactly like bootstrap bill when he's you know got that name. huge starfish all over his face that cracked me up i'm looking forward to seeing damon in that battle situation though because i think that's where he's gonna thrive he'll like the awkwardness will be able to go away mm-hmm. for a little bit yeah okay i think he's gonna be really powerful it's like being in the gym you're mm-hmm. like you know what actually i gotta get this set done and so the awkwardness goes away right when, it's you're, his right when you're finishing it yeah he can go play at war i also thought it was really funny when he corliss was dunking on viserys and they're just kind of both kind of dunking on him a little bit. And this is absurd. Damon goes, <laughs> right to his face. it was never my brother's strongest trait. And Corliss is like, what? Being king. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I'm going to miss some of these actors, though. They have cemented themselves into GOT MCU lore, though, which is very fun. They're not randos. We're going to forget all of you. I mean, we'll forget some of them for Maybe Darcy's sure. Darcy's going to be so good. We'll be like, who is Millie Alcott? Right. <laughs> How do you even say I her last I doubt that. <laughs> There's no way. No. We're, I'm going to no, miss definitely not. seeing. Because it's so fun. So good. Millie Alcott is going to be, we're going to miss her like crazy when yeah. she's not on screen anymore yeah and i'm curious to see how the new guys are going to be able to carry I the subtleties be, they might be better you think so i mean why not hope for I that hope so. you know they're older you know thinking about an older rhaenyra how is she not going to be fascinating to watch she's already got so much texture to her i just hope that we continue to keep those subtleties that we've I think, established i think over we will i think episodes. we will and i think there'll be more i think it'll be a matured version of those i think that the i think I have a lot of hope for it. I think it's going to be good. I'll trust in you in that. I hope I'm right. <laughs> I mean, it will be uh, missing, like you said, missing the, missing these days if it's not the same. But uh, we, at least we're not moving on with Matthias. We'll keep Matt Damon on the roster for now. Who knew that when he pointed the egg and then pointed the sword that it wasn't just how we were saying before, like, ah, pic- picturesque high fantasy in a moment. But it's that while we know it's awkward because he's actually awkward you know it's like a dance move at the wrong time but it's the right time i'm so into he came it in on a dragon i'm so into it yeah what a weird balance it makes so much sense why they picked him though i was i wasn't on board for so long i know i keep saying that but we try to be so serious and, i know and then we get mad at damon i know <laughs> Like, we try to be so serious, uh, everyone who's making Game of Thrones. Got to look serious, got to sound serious. People get killed, and it's very serious. And then you get Ed Shireen, and it's a little less serious. Oh, man, I forgot about Ed Shireen. Yeah, but at least they didn't let him do anything too specific. He did sing. What was in there that somebody was coming to House of the Dragon? Oh, uh, there's a rumor that... Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. From the Marvel Cinematic Universe is uh, potentially coming to Hot D for season two. Right. A lot of people think she'll be Alice Rivers. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which is a name that is from the future, if you don't know about Fire and Blood. That's pretty cool. I just, I don't know why. The Ed Shireen thing. <laughs> yeah. I just hope that, you know, it's, it's always a risk when you bring a big name into yeah. a, a TV show like yeah. this. But Ed Sheeran was not even Ed Sheeran. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> They're like, who are they talking about? <laughs> we started saying Ed Sheeran and I can't say anything else. That's how you say it, right? 
<laughs> That's how King Cobra JFS calls him Ed okay. Shireen. Got it. <laughs> Most people talked about being surprised by two things. One, the opening, and two, Viserys' choice to marry Allison was kind of the obviously the plot twist and the main focal point of this episode. Second or third, I guess, in line would be the whole Damon situation with Missaria and either one, changing it from how it was written in Fire and Blood, or two, that just the whole wedding pregnancy thing was a lie. Seems like top three things people were most surprised by this week. So what are your major plot predictions for episode three? I will say what I'm most excited to see is the divide between Allison and Rainier continue to deteriorate as we get a baby up in the mix, a baby boy up in the mix. And so I'm psyched. This shit is going to be so painful. I'm psyched about it. It is going to be really painful, but to be able to see baby Aegon in action, Viserys doting on his new son, and really, really, really looking forward to getting some action and excitement and battle scenes in the step zones. It seems like stuff's heating up over there. You excited for a battle scene? So weird, right? That's so weird. Why would you say you are? Because I am. Because I actually am. Because the crab pewter is such an interesting foe. And I'm looking forward to seeing Damon don his armor and... I want to see Corliss don his armor. Yeah, it'll be cool to see them fight side by side. And we're going to get dragons in the mix. What are you most excited about? Seeing how much time has passed and how that's shown and how different people like Otto and Maester Melos behave Mm -hmm. and how farther along Viserys is and being sick, deteriorating. Mm -hmm. And yeah, how they, what modern, um, Hot D, G-O-T, action is like, how they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Seems like it's going to be what it needs to be. I have a good feeling about it. Me too. Just that close-up on Rhaenyra's dragon. It's mad face. It gives me hope. It's like, yep, that's what we needed to see. That sort of gaping maw, that savage chaos. Like what the Valyrians did to those creatures, other creatures like that in Old Valyria, that belly snakes like from Fire and Blood, that weird, like savage energy that their dragons have. I want to see that come out Mm -hmm. at the Stepstones. And not just seeing how we've seen so far, which is some intimidation and some flying around. Yeah. We get to see some real. Battle. I want to see it expressed. Mm-hmm, totally. So that close up on that on that dragon's face was like, oh, okay. So you you're gonna show us that, huh? Mm-hmm. Like that's what you think is cool. That's what you guys are focusing on. All right. I like that more than uh, the dragon being like funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to be <laughs> scary. Uh huh. And, and powerful. Want, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I want to be. I want to feel cooler um, than it feels right now when Renera gets off her back. It's hard to do that stuff with CGI. You know, that's a pretty big moment flying into Dragonstone like that, negotiating the whole surrender of the egg. You don't think it went off well? Without any bloodshed. I think it did go off well. It's just, she's so uh, pretty and and uh, put together, and you just climbed off the back of a crazy animal. It should really feel as badass as it is. Just the scenario itself is badass. So we'll see how it continues to be um, depicted, but there's going to be a lot of that in the dance. I mean, this is going to be a big part of just adapting it. Right. Is them and their dragons. Right. We really haven't seen that much of it so right. far. And I think we're about We've to, really like kept I said. It back. We were laughing when we were watching episode one, The Rings of Power, because it opens up really mm-hmm. early with a bunch of dragons breathing fire down on a battle. And uh, <laughs> we were like, George is like. <laughs> hitting Damn himself it. a little yeah <laughs> they wore dragons early on than I do <laughs> um, the other thing I will say before we transition over into everybody's owns is looking forward to just to see how the pacing goes because the pacing's been wildly different in both of these episodes so yeah maybe it'll be wildly different again that's what that I'm wondering cool. potentially it could be cool 
It could be a, an interesting plot device. All right, let's do owns. First up, we'll go to Twitter. We've got John of Knoxville, Prince of Sunsphere, who says, Own to the Dragon Keepers for lugging that hot egg brazier from the Dragon Pit to the Red Keep, then to Dragonstone, the real MVPs. Nujan Mazhari, Own to Viserys for giving us the creepiest and most dramatic episode yet of the Westerosi Bachelor. <laughs> Lena had the edge in the family visit, but Allison <laughs> snagged his heart in the one-on-one to get the final rose. Who knows? Maybe that's where the Tyrells got their sigil. DK City 24, my own two Lena Vagar foreshadowing. Hashtag it is known. That, that was, I, we haven't talked about that yet, but that was that was so nice, especially when we see her aged up and just like, hey, guess what? Remember that little combo we had? <laughs> anyway, Bloody Ben Blackwood. Perhaps you remember when I knocked you off your horse. A quote from <laughs> Christine E. Cole. Dino Bookish, I guess. Own to stepmom Allison Hightower for asking questions about Valeria. KO. At Total BJR on Twitter, own to the bloodworm for making Sir Otto shit his pants. At Sierra Sky P, own to Damon for that only I can talk about my brother comment to Corliss. Also for that great toss of the egg to Rhaenyra. Yes. I wonder how many takes that took. Oh, Mindy on Twitter, own to that badass Daenerys Targaryen-esque entrance by Rhaenyra Targaryen, Targaryen on Dragonstone. And own to that son of the car B. <laughs> <laughs> Great play on words. Jack Waldron, owned to the blood mages of Valyria and finding out what led to the doom. Mm-hmm. Most everyone's mad here, at Ev's mad here, owned to Lenor, sorry, Lena Valerian. Grown men, meh, grown dragons, hell yeah, hashtag priorities. At Haley Dercher, owned to the king, who, despite rightfully refusing to marry a 12-year-old girl, still spent more than half the episode playing with his Legos. Jeez. <laughs> And then ultimately marrying a 14-year-old who is far more mature. <laughs> Heart player in Aegon's Song of Ice and Fire at Aemon White Wolf. Owned to Rhaenyra for one-upping the hand and Lord Commander of the Kingsguard by choosing the best knight despite politics. Going toe-to-toe with Rhaenys in untouchable in court sass slash backtalk. And preventing a war with Damon by saying, kill me. Do it. No balls. When 20 grown men couldn't. Also owned to Sir Harold. I think we all glassed over that he got a promotion and is now top nacho. Yeah, I didn't notice that. At Ghost Chase Killer, I never in a million years would have thought it, but my own goes to Otto Hightower for being brave enough to go confront the rogue prince himself. Also owned for Rainier for immediately owning Otto and Damon right after. Peter Lamani, own goes to Otto, a.k.a. Middlefinger. <laughs> Begrudgingly, though, I hate that guy, but he did put his family in a position to succeed. Hashtag banish your cursing emoji. At John Webster Film, own to Ramin Javadi for reminding everyone that this is still Game of Thrones. Is this intro can never be replaced <laughs> at a song by Sapphire quotes GOT own to any and every conversation that features both Damon and Corliss sharing the screen together. Eva Dawn Diver own to Damon for being fiercely loyal to his blood when any outsider attempts to minimize them. Peg Sontag own to Princess Rhaenyra for catching the dragon egg. Hashtag girls can play. <laughs> At Triple W226, own to all the zingers Auto Hightower threw at Damon. Good to air it all out in person. At Entertainment, own to Sir Kristen for not only getting a kick ass job, but for getting promoted to princess duty right away. <laughs> Christine Michelle, own to the cinematography this episode. The shot of Cyrax cruising beneath the crowds, creating a wake, was Chef's Kiss. Also to the crab feeder for fueling my nightmares. Can't wait to see more. It seems like everybody's talking about the crab feeder, don't you think? Hey, yeah, right. At Danny Gone Bad, own to Rainier for catching that egg. Hashtag cricket club bound. The Night King at White's the King. Owned to Damon for turning up two-thirds of the way through and still having an episode <laughs> named after him. <laughs> at the Mick Riblet owns to maggots for getting to chew on a king. <laughs> king Jahar is tired of his realm. <laughs> At Duck and Cover on Twitter says, Own to the writers for making it obvious who to choose in Team Black versus Green. At Conqueror's Crown, owns to our Lady Lena Valerian being a huge dragon nerd and asking Viserys about Valerian. Finally, and Vagar too. At Democracy Diva, Lena Valerian for being so extremely 12 years old that she asked the king about his pets. <laughs> Fake Maynard Plum, the stonemasons for fixing the sculpture and causing royal wedding. 
Callie, own to Rainey's for the talk with Rainera. Corey Goff, my own to the creepy coral mannequin head sculpture at Driftmark. Oh, I love <laughs> that That was thing. very cool. I didn't yeah. notice that the first time around. We like the water here. At Connor Targaryen, owned to the camera pan reveal that Corliss was describing the history and fame of his house to Damon of all people. Cannot wait to see some Stepstones action. At McGarity, owned to the rogue prince himself. He really said, only I can talk shit about my brother, not you. I'm leaning more towards this perspective of Damon really not wanting the crown, just to be truly accepted by his brother and invited to the clubhouse. At Fox and Brambles, giving an own to Lena for already loving Vagar and thinking about her sad song. Jason Alden, it's funny. Today I was talking to my family about seafood and now I may never eat crabs again. (laughs) Aiden Evans, own to Rainier for being more than the ideal heir to the Iron Throne. Alison would be proud. Scott Glennon, I'm giving the own to Rainier. That entrance was cool. At Leech Lord Bolton, own to Alison for knowing history nerds love figurines. (laughs) At Elizabeth Bird, my own goes to Rhaenyra swooping in on her dragon and showing all those men how to solve a problem. At Abenara, own to Rhaenyra for showing that men with drawn swords how diplomacy works. And a bonus own to Cyrax, perfect landing. Hashtag Targaryen girls rule. Darren Swords at Azor High Five, own to Rhaenys for being the only real person in this castle to Rhaenyra. At Blagness317, own to the riders for subtly laying Lena's interest in Bagar. At Little Wolfbird, biggest own to House of the Dragon for making me believe we'd get all new music, but instead recycling the Game of Thrones theme. Love it, but I want something new for the new show. The OG makes me think I'm watching that show, and I'm not right now. So disappointed. At Jen Varney, own to the opening credit music. Well, Jen likes it. I did not put those two together. At Straight Savage Cole, my own goes to the multiple shoutouts to my boy, the one, the only, Balerian, the Black Dread. At more litigation, Allison for making it through an entire episode without a wardrobe change. Can you imagine if that was not on purpose? Like, oh, <laughs> shit, <it. laughs> we didn't get her a new outfit that whole time. Why didn't you say anything? She's like, I don't know. I thought I was just supposed to wear it. <laughs> At Shane Lisa, own to the Steve Snake. I expect he'll be the most popular character. Um, it's looking that way. Um, he's doing pretty good. I'm not sure. I think Damon's. Giving him a run for his money. I'm going to read the rest of your own. Sorry. Also, own to Ramin Javadi to playing the hits. Yeah. When you're <laughs> when you're at Ramin's level, you just got to play the hits sometimes. Yeah. You know? Break out the new shit like halfway through uh-huh. the set. We'll, we'll see that soon. At Beauty Brand, literally everyone owns Viserys. If Westeros is a busted old Volkswagen Golf, Viserys is the floor <laughs> mat. <laughs> at Seth 410, own to the king for avoiding a visit from Dateline NBC. At It's a Snare Thing, giving my own this week to the dragons for taking my breath away every time they were on screen. Can't wait to see more of them through the rest of the season. At Curtis More Official on Insty. I mean, my own has to go to Rainey's for absolutely embarrassing Otto and Damon in one fell swoop. So that was Rhaenyra, not Rainey's. Jack and T. Howard on Instagram owned a Damon for reminding Corliss that only family makes fun of family. At Manimal's Band, when the dragons did that. <laughs> Shout out to our new t-shirt coming soon. Hi, it's Jeremy, not marrying 11-year-olds. H. Rasa, the stone master for cranking out pieces for Viserys' model like they're a toy factory. Lauren Maselli, owned to Rhaenyra, saving the day on Cyrax. E. Hansen, 09, owned to Rhaenyra for getting the egg back from Damon. I wonder if that was Drogon. Christian Stop. Morgan, owned to Millie Alcock for absolutely killing it as Rhaenyra. P94 at home, own to the new intro. Love the use of the classic Thrones theme and all of that blood. Nat Portier Butler, Christian Cole to Damon Targaryen. Perhaps my prince recalls when I knocked him off his horse. Fire emoji. Dylan Logston on Insty. I don't know if it's too late for an own, but huge own to the king who hasn't made any moves on Alicent for six months. I mean, these are some very <laughs> tension-filled rendezvous. <laughs> History lessons and figurines. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Mrs. Duncan the Tall own to the reign of vibes. Rhaenyra having a crush on her friend and selecting eggs for her siblings. At Mall Peach Natural, giving it to Delena. Little girl had ambition, sad but true. Shayna left. My <laughs> own goes to my fingernails for finally looking exactly like the ones of a soon-to-be Yikes. queen. <laughs> Scissor me Xerxes. My own goes to all those creepy-ass long-neck whistle chitters coming from Caraxes. Benjamin Adgate, Rhaenyra getting that egg back. Emily Roll. Has to be Rhaenyra showing everyone up at Dragonstone. Such a badass. Marinart. 
<laughs> I never know how to say if you if this is your Instagram handle, we please message us how to correctly pronounce it. When the sea snake and Damon got together at the end, let's go. Slugaroonie. No problem pronouncing that one. <laughs> Rhaenyra for big dicking all the men at Dragonstone. Dr. Peter Jacob, the first two episodes being better than most of the Game of Thrones episodes and Caraxes. The Donuts. Caraxes for screaming, who's out here talking shit? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dragon just freaking out on the edge. Like, I think you're talking shit to my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Miss Duncan the Tall got a couple more. Own to Otto Finger tow- Low Tower. That's hilarious for being even more deplorable than my book Expectations. Own to the Viserys scene where he sent Rhaenyra to help pick up with the Kingsguard. After all, they will protect you. And own to Rainey's telling it as it is. Also, there's a last one owning Caraxes and Cyrax for knowing the drama was bull and sitting down with popcorn to watch. Mike from England. First of all, this is what GOT is all about. The scheming, the family complications, the political ploys to gain power. I loved everything about this episode from start to finish, even more than the last episode. Wow, Michael McCann. How easy Viserys is manipulated by Otto, Alisson, Rhaenyra, and co. It's just a joy to watch. But in the end, history repeats itself, and he ends up going with his heart instead of his brain. A classic Rob Stark error, not realizing he's being manipulated. Yet to see where Alison is playing her dad as well, though. Could be she's in it for her own power. I'm thinking the same thing. So many standout characters in this episode. Rhaenyra, Damon, Viserys, Otto, Corliss, even Kristen Cole with that moment on the bridge owning Damon. My own has to go to that Dragonstone bridge scene to set up the framing, showing the two sides, that Rhaenyra entrance with her dragon. Like, whoa, this scene was pure GOT perfection and what we all know and love, plus dragons. Also love that little Vagar name drop in there. If all dragons' entrances were as cool as this episode's, I would love to see her make an epic entrance turning the tide of a battle. Yes. Oh my gosh, showing up for the first uh-huh. time. <sighs> Doesn't it feel so good to be back in this world again? Question mark. All the best. A hyped nerd from England. Thanks, everybody, for sending in your own. Thanks, Mike, for the email. If you want to send in yours, you can do it in a couple different ways. You can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com or you can write us on Twitter or Instagram by looking for Game of Owns. So you can send us your owns on Sunday night and we'll see you then. Episode three. Second of his name. Next. Hi.